each week uh, during this series. I love that intro music. I wish that played every time I got out of my car and I was going to work, that, that music was playing, and you could open the door, I'm here for work today, or, you know, I'm, I'm home, honey, or I'm at school, and I'm, uh, because every day God has ministry opportunities for us, and through the Holy Spirit, he equips us in special ways. And we're talking about that from the book of Acts, because the book of Acts is a story of ordinary people just like us, whom God used to do extraordinary things, because the Holy Spirit was working in and through them. And today you're going to hear the story of Peter being sent to share the gospel with a guy that Peter never would have talked to prior to this. And so in the book of Acts, Peter isn't given x-ray vision. I mean, when you talk about Marvel comics or You talk about any sort of superhero movie out right now, lots of superheroes have x-ray vision or they have some technological wonder suit that allows them to see through walls and see where the bad guys are and other things. Well, the Holy Spirit doesn't give us supervision or x-ray vision type of things, but what the Holy Spirit does do, he helps us see people the way Jesus sees them. And you're going to see that in the story today, and it's not out of a comic book, it's out of the Bible, where Peter had his vision completely retooled. Somebody he saw as an enemy and as somebody that he had no need to talk to, well, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter was, had his whole mind changed about this, and all of a sudden he saw him as somebody who was precious to God, and he shared the gospel with him. It's a great story. It's a story of Peter and Cornelius. I want to share it with you today. Let's have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the Bible. It's it's our guide in all matters of faith and practice. And Lord, we want to put our faith into practice in a way where we tell people about Jesus. But we're not going to tell people about Jesus if we don't think anything of them. I mean, why would I want to share the gospel with people who are worthless and useless? Why would I go out of my way to do anything for somebody that I don't want to talk to. And so, Lord, you've got to give me a whole new understanding of things. You've got to change the way I see people. And today, Lord, I pray that you will speak and move me out of the way. I pray that we will leave here seeing people differently. And so, Lord, we ask these things in the name of Jesus, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. In the book of Acts, is a story of Peter, where this is what happened, uh, where the Holy Spirit worked in Peter's life. What happened was an angel told a Gentile to send for Peter, who could tell him the good news about Jesus. Gentile, there, the, in Bible times, there are people like Peter, who'd grown up in a Jewish family. The whole world was basically divided into two groups. The Jews, God's chosen people, and everybody else, the Gentiles. And the Gentiles were people who were lost. They were pagans. They were ignorant of God, and um, they were far from him. And you didn't have anything to do with them more than you just absolutely had to. Let me read some of the story, and I'll explain a little more as we go. This is Max chapter 10. In the city of Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer named Cornelius, who was a captain of the Italian regiment. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was everyone in his household, and he gave generously to the poor, and he prayed regularly to God. Well, one afternoon, about 3 o'clock, when he was praying, he had a vision in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. 
Cornelius, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to the city of Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He's staying with another man named Simon, a tanner who's living near the seashore. And as soon as the angel was gone, Cornelius called two of his household servants, sent them off to Joppa to get Peter. Now, what you need to know is, is at the time of this story, Israel, the nation of Israel, the land of Israel, the people of Israel, the Jewish people, have been under Roman occupation for over 100 years. If you could imagine that a foreign power came in this year and conquered the United States, obliterated our army, killed scores of people, moved in, took over everything, destroyed our nation, uh, all the founding documents, everything else, and then just made us subject to them. And we had to pay incredibly high taxes, and they mistreated us regularly and all these things. And this had gone on for 100 years. Then you could understand how Peter might feel about talking to a Roman centurion. I mean, that's what was going on. And everybody had scores of stories where people had been needlessly beaten or mistreated by Romans. Well, among these Romans that were occupying Israel, there was a God-fearing man, a centurion, a soldier who was in charge of about 100 other soldiers. And he prayed to God regularly, gave to the poor, uh, understood who God was but uh, from what he understood from the Jewish people, but he didn't have a personal relationship with Jesus. And he wanted to know God better, and he's praying, and an angel appears to him and says, you need to go get Peter. He's in a city uh, called Joppa. It's a, at least a day's hike, you know, one or two day hike from here, and they were traveling by foot another day or two back. Send some men to go get him, and he'll explain to you how to have a right relationship with God. And so he did that. Now, from Peter's side, it was not only talking to this guy. Caesarea was the headquarters for the Roman occupation. So this is like the outpost where the leaders of the whole Roman occupation, this guy was an Italian. He was the head of the Italian regiment. These were people imported from Rome. And for Peter, a guy who'd grown up there, this would have been as hard as possible. And the reason why this is so important where an angel told a Gentile to send for Peter in this point, you could put in there the name of a person that would be the most, it would be the most far-fetched idea that this person would ever ask you to talk to them about your faith. I mean, we live in a culture that's extremely divided. We're divided by age. The older generation is told the younger generation is screwing up everything, messing up our whole country. We are angry uh, about people who vote differently. Has anybody heard of this? Okay, maybe you've heard of this, okay. Uh, we're divided along racial lines. We're divided along gender lines. We're divided on every possible way, but we don't even have a division that I could think of that's exactly the same as this. Because, I mean, these were people that, that just, you just didn't have anything to do with at all. You didn't even walk in their house if you were a Jewish person. You wouldn't walk into their house. You would certainly never eat with them. And the fact that this guy is telling Peter, come to this Roman headquarters, talk to me about Jesus. Well, this is a big stretch for Peter. Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead, ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit has come upon him, and now he is venturing out, and the Holy Spirit is doing amazing things. 
I want to make a life application real quickly here, though. I want you to notice this. God didn't give the task of evangelizing the world to angels. He gave it to us. I mean, if you think about it, the angel was already there at Cornelius' house. Why doesn't the angel just cut out the middleman? Why didn't the angel just tell Cornelius about Jesus? Why did he send for Peter? That's not the angel's job. That's our job. He didn't assign that task to angels. He assigned sharing the good news to you and me. This is a privilege that we have. It's a responsibility that we have as Christ's followers, and it's a job that he doesn't entrust to angels. He entrusts to us. Listen to what Jesus told his disciples. He said this, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. And this is why it's so important to have our vision changed so that we see people as people who need Jesus and we can see what's going on in their hearts. And you're about to see Peter's whole understanding of this Roman centurion, his whole vision, the whole way he looked at him, he's about to have it all changed. So God sent a vision to Peter that changed the way he saw Gentiles. That's point two in your outline. Changed his, the way he looked at everything. The story goes on. So the next day, this is Acts 10 again. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Joppa, where Peter was staying, Peter went up on a flat roof to pray. Uh, there's a breeze. Uh, Joppa's a port city. There's a breeze coming in off the Mediterranean be really nice if there's like a canopy out there in the shade. It'd be a nice place to pray. Peter's hungry. It was about noon. He was hungry, and while there was a meal being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open, and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared. I've never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. And the same vision was repeated three times, and then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. And Peter's left wondering what's going on. Now you need to understand, Peter grew up in a Jewish household. He'd never eaten anything but kosher food. And he wasn't about to break those dietary laws. I mean, if you've ever been to a kosher deli, you know that there are certain foods that are served there. They're prepared in a strict way. This is just the way it's done. And Peter was not going to violate that. These were according to the commands in Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And Peter had grown up with those restrictions. And he said, no, I won't do it. I said, well, don't call anything unclean that I call clean. And Peter's going, what's that all about? Well, listen, this is what's so interesting here. Well, Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? And just then, the men, that had, the men that had been sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. And standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision up on the roof, the Holy Spirit said to him, three, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. I mean, this is the marvel part of the story here. The Holy Spirit is guiding Peter, going to change the way he looks at everything. All he had to do was be obedient and go. Now I want to point out something very quickly here. Peter was just an ordinary person to whom God did extraordinary things. He was very ordinary. Peter went with them. They got to Cornelius' house the next day. 
As Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at Peter's feet and worshipped him. But Peter pulled him up and said, Stand up, I'm a human being just like you. And so they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled. I mean, Peter was just an ordinary guy, and here's this guy falling at his feet because an angel had told him to go get him. Oh, Peter must be superhuman. He must be like one of those superheroes out of comic books. And Peter goes, no, I'm just an ordinary person. Oh, I hope this encourages you. Because God loves to use ordinary people. This is, he loves to use ordinary people to accomplish his work. God chose things that the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And he used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. If you think you are extremely ordinary and you have nothing special to offer to God, you are perfect. I mean, this room is filled with a bunch of ordinary folks. In fact, would you turn to the person next to you and say, you look very ordinary to me. Would you do that? Would you, do you look very ordinary to me. Yeah. Yeah, husbands, you should have said, I don't care what he says, you look beautiful to me, darling. Okay, that's what I said. So, sorry, I should have warned you ahead of time. Anyway, you can make up for it later. But the idea is simply this is that we're a bunch of ordinary folks. Peter was ordinary. Cornelius at his feet, get up. Peter remembered back when Jesus called him to follow him. Peter was probably thinking about this. I don't know if you remember this, but Jesus called Peter to come. He was, he'd been fishing all night, hadn't caught anything. Jesus said, throw your nets out one more time, and Peter did. And he caught so many fish that when he pulled them in his boat, the boat was about to sink. And Peter falls, fell at Jesus' feet and said, get away from me, I'm a sinful man. Now there's somebody falling at his feet. He's saying, get up. Jesus forgave me. And by then, Peter had also denied Jesus three times. I mean, Peter was as ordinary as it could be, and he knew all about the fact that Jesus came to save sinners. If it's good news to you that Jesus uses ordinary people, if it's good news to you that Jesus works through people who've been forgiven of all kinds of sin, then would you say amen? amen. Oh, he wants ordinary people just like us, to tell other ordinary people who are just like us about the love of Jesus, but we're not going to do that if we can't stand them and if we refuse to have anything to do with them. That's the whole reason the vision of the sheet. I mean, Peter's up on the roof. He's puzzling the vision. At the same time, he's looking off the roof, and there's guys standing at the gate. Is there a guy named Peter there? And the Holy Spirit's going, Peter, go with those guys. So God used Peter to tell Cornelius about Jesus, and he used Cornelius to help Peter see Gentiles as valuable to God. The angel wasn't going to tell the people about Jesus because Peter needed to have this experience. God organized the whole thing so that while, the, while Cornelius needed Peter to explain the gospel, Peter needed the experience with Cornelius to gain a vision that all these Gentiles that he'd had no use for were valuable to God. Did you know that there are people who vote completely different for you and me and Jesus died on the cross for them? 
Did you know that there are people of a different generation than you might be, and Jesus died on the cross for them just as well as, as he did for you and me? No amens going on in here. Boy, isn't that something? Same thing happened at the earlier service. Oh, amen. Oh, yeah. Hey, everything in our culture says those people are the problem. They're ruining our country. They're ruining everything. We need to get rid of people like that. And we need to have all kinds of posts on social media about how stupid they are and how wrong they are. And we got video trapping people into saying things, aha, aha, aha. Has anybody noticed any of this or is it just me? That's not us. We're not supposed to be the people trapping people. We're not supposed to cheer when they mess up. And the whole question today is, what if God wanted to give you and me a vision for people who are vastly different from us, politically, different age, maybe a different race, maybe a whole different background? What if God wanted to give us a vision for people that we had never, ever thought of as valuable before? And what if God wanted to pull us into a relationship with people that we'd never even considered talking to before? That's what happened to Peter. So Peter walks in the room and he tells the crowd that's gathered there, look, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or even to associate with you. But God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Could we read this line that I have highlighted right here? Could you say that with me, please? I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Peter had his vision changed. He all of a sudden saw that these people were valuable to God, that they had issues and problems in their lives too. They needed forgiveness. They needed the gospel. And he never even thought of that before. He just wanted nothing to do with them. I mean, let that sink in. I see very clearly. I mean, Jesus died for me and he also died for you. And I've never even cared about you. I mean, you know very well that people like me don't even have anything to do with people like you. And this is an amazing story. I mean, I know the comic books contain all kinds of marvels, but this is a marvel too. Hmm. In every nation he accepts, God accepts those who fear him and do what's right. This is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there's peace with God through Jesus Christ, who's Lord of all, He's the one all the prophets testified about in the Old Testament, saying that everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. And even as Peter was explaining all this and explaining the gospel to them, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. This is exactly what happened to Peter and the other disciples on Pentecost Sunday. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. They were all Jewish. And they never even considered this. They thought, well, Jesus came to save the Jewish people, the chosen people. They never considered that he came to save the whole world. I mean, they might have thought about it intellectually, but they didn't have any idea what it would look like. 
For they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God, just like the disciples had on Pentecost Sunday. And then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized now that they've received the Holy Spirit just as we did? So Peter gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And they had a big baptism party. I mean, this is amazing. Peter walks in and he goes, I mean, the whole vision of the sheet, and these guys showing up exactly at the same time, the Holy Spirit saying, go with them. He goes, man, I see I've been looking at everything wrong. I've been wrong my whole life. Let me tell you about Jesus. Woo! The Holy Spirit falls on everybody in the place. It's important to note that Jesus sees our world as a fallen creation filled with lost sinners who desperately need to be brought back into a right relationship with God. And you and I, that's not usually our first thought. Matthew 9, 36, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Is that the way you and I view people when we see things on the internet with people whom, with whom we disagree with politically or socially? Do we have compassion on them and say, man, some of these people are horribly, horribly confused. I better pray for them. Is that what comes to mind? Or do we get angry and look for ways to insult people who disagree with us? For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. This is when Jesus was at the home of a tax collector named Zacchaeus, a notorious sinner. Zacchaeus had repented, and Jesus said, and he rejoiced. That's why I came. And for the very people who are mocking him while he was nailed to the cross, Jesus prayed this, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, this is the way Jesus looked at you and me. Father, forgive John. He doesn't even know what he's been doing. Jesus died on the cross for my sins and yours because we were lost and confused. And he wants us to, re to remember he feels that way about everybody in the world. And what if you and I would pray, God, will you give me a vision for people who are not like me, who are just as lost and confused as I was? Life application. We need to let the Holy Spirit transform the way we think about sinners that we don't like, just like he transformed the way Peter thought about things. He used this whole experience. The Holy Spirit spoke to Peter, go with him. The Holy Spirit used the vision, spoke to Peter, go with him. He used the whole experience. The Holy Spirit fell on the people, and Peter goes, oh, I've been completely wrong. I see things completely different now. Oh, we need to let the Holy Spirit do that inside of our hearts, too. Paul talked about this in Romans 12. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. The behaviors and customs of this world are, this group's wrong and they're stupid. Run them down, ridicule them, mock them. And if you can come up with something super sarcastic, you'll get more likes than anybody else. Put that on your Facebook page. Put that on Instagram. Don't copy the behavior and customs of the world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And then you'll learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And God's will for us is that we love people and pray for them. In fact, what's better, even better about this, God used 
Peter's experience with Cornelius to change the way the entire church viewed Gentiles. Soon the news reached the apostles and the other believers in Judea that the Gentiles had received the word of God. But when Peter arrived back in Jerusalem, he'd gone to Caesarea and then he went back to Jerusalem to meet with the other believers. Well, the Jewish believers criticized him. Peter, you went to the home of the Gentiles. You even ate with them. What are you, crazy? Well, I added that. But anyway, you even ate with them, they said. Well, then Peter told them exactly what happened. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them just as he fell on us at the beginning. And then I thought of the Lord's words when he said, John baptized you with water, but you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. And since God gave these Gentiles the same gift he gave us, when we believed in the Lord Jesus, who was I to stand in God's way? And when the other believers heard this, they stopped objecting and began praising God. And they said, well, we can see now that God has also given the Gentiles the privilege of repenting of their sins and receiving eternal life. And they said, well, how great is this? And this is the attitude God wants us to have. When Debbie and I first started ministry, in, uh, we were living in Houston. I was working with a ministry to high school kids called Young Life. And um, there were different groups in the high school where we were doing this ministry, this outreach ministry. Some of the kids were in the band. Some were athletes and jocks. Some were... Um, Stoners is what the kids called, called them. These were kids that were into drugs. And there was one young man who was kind of a, he'd been in trouble with the law. He was known for using drugs and other things. And through a whole set of circumstances, he and I got thrown together on multiple occasions, and we kind of struck up a friendship. And I discovered this young man was really into skateboarding. And growing up on a farm in Kansas, I was not, okay? And so, but in the course of our conversation, I found out that he had, gotten the materials together and built a half pipe, which is just this huge curved ramp in his backyard. And I was curious that a high school kid could figure out the engineering behind that to get that all done. And so I went to his house and it was amazing what he had built. And so he showed me the whole thing. He showed me how you could do all these tricks, something right off the X Games type of stuff. And, um, and he let me try it and I n nearly killed myself, but that's beside the point. But we sat there and talked on this half pipe for a while. He goes, why did you come to my house? And I said, well, I mean, you know, we've gotten to know each other. I just wanted to see this half pipe. He goes, no, I mean, look, you do this ministry thing. Why do you, why do you want to talk to somebody like me? And I said, well, long and short of it is the whole ministry of young life is to introduce people to Jesus. And I, I mean, Jesus forgave me of all the stuff I've done wrong in my life. And he goes, yeah, but I'm a stoner. And I go, well, okay, those are your issues. I've got mine. And, and I said, well, tell me about your life. And he, I mean, his family situation was so messed up. The whole reason he got into drugs was he was trying to deal with all the problems in his life and didn't have any friends. And when I'm sitting there talking to this kid, all of a sudden I see him completely different. What was so funny was, and we had this great conversation about the Lord and I was able to talk to him about Jesus. And, but I got to back to my office, and the next day some parents, some, they had seen me. Well, they'd heard that I'd gone to this kid's house, and they'd, some of them had seen me pick up this kid at school and take him back to his house to see this half pipe he'd built. And they were going, why are you hanging out with a kid like this? 
Don't you know that kid is a bad influence? Don't you know he's the biggest stoner in school? Why would you hang out with a kid like that? And I said, because he's a bad influence and the biggest stoner in school, and he needs to know about Jesus. Well, do you know there are people in your neighborhood, in your family, in your school, surrounding you, who have all kinds of problems just like this stoner kid had? And if I was to look at him from the outside and judge him, I would have nothing to do with him. But God opened the door, and I was just willing to go through it. And God opened up a conversation that changed the way I looked at him completely. And God would do the same thing for you. But do you and I even want that? I mean, if I told you, hey, there's a Marvel superhero suit you can put on. It'll give you super x-ray vision. You can see things 10 miles away. Oh, wouldn't that be cool? Maybe you go, not really. I don't really want one. Okay. I don't have that anyway. Well, what does the Holy Spirit offer? He offers us the ability to see people the way Jesus sees them. Let me give you a life application here. We need to ask God to help us see others with love and compassion. Let me just end with this verse. I know there's a little more written in your outline, but let me just end with this verse. This is 1 Peter 3. Peter wrote this like 20 years later. After this whole interchange or exchange with Cornelius, had, think 20, 30 years later, Peter's writing this to some Christians. He says, finally, all of you, be like-minded and sympathetic. Love one another. Be compassionate and humble. You don't know what's going on in other people's lives. Don't repay evil with evil or insult with insult. On the contrary, repay evil with blessing because to this you are called so you may inherit a blessing. This is what we're called to. God didn't give this, this mission to angels. He gave it to us. We're not going to be able to carry out this mission without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not even going to be able to look at people correctly unless unless the Holy Spirit changes the way we see them. And so what you and I need to pray for is, God, will you give me love and compassion? Will you help me see my coworkers the way Jesus would see my coworkers? That's why I want that music playing when we go into work. I've got compassion vision. I mean, that doesn't sound really cool for all of it. But think how great that would be. And I'd like to pray for us about that today. But I want to pray with you if you really want it. I mean, if you'd really love that, Lord, would you help me see people the way you see them? If that's a desire of your heart, would you stand right now? Because I'd like to pray with us about that. If you'd love that, you'd say, God, I would love to be able to see people the way you see them people. Just stand and pray with me now. Oh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this lesson today. I thank you that you changed Peter's heart about somebody that he would have absolutely nothing to do with in his own strength. I thank you, Lord, you gave him that vision. I thank you, Lord, you prompted him to go with the people sent by Cornelius. I thank you when he got to Cornelius' house, he was just faithful to share the gospel, and I thank you that he saw the Holy Spirit fall upon the people. I thank you, Lord. He went back to the the church and said, look, I have to be obedient to what God called me to do. And that led to a whole awakening throughout the whole church. And God, I just want that for this church. I want that for me. I want that for everybody in the sound of my voice. Lord, I want you to move in our hearts and help us see people the way you see people. God, we live in a world where we're turned against each other by race and by gender and by age and by politics. 
and by every possible division. And Lord, we don't want to be like that. We want to be peacemakers. We want to be bearers of good news. We want people to know the love and forgiveness that you've shown us. Oh, we want to preach the gospel to them. Lord, we don't want to short sell it. People need to be called to repent. We don't want to okay sin. We want to tell them, of course you sin. So do we. Come to Jesus. He'll forgive your sin. Repent and come today. Oh, Lord Jesus. Forgive me for judging others. Forgive me for making up my mind about people, not even praying for them. Or if I did pray, Lord, just remove them from my life. I can't stand them. God, judge them. Father, I thank you that you looked at me like a lost sheep and came after me. Father, I thank you that you've entrusted this message to us and not to angels. We can go where angels don't go. They'll help us. Oh, Father, if, please give us the power. Give us love. Give us compassion and give us the right words to say when you open the door. Fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. We cannot do this without you. We don't have the courage or the strength. We don't even have the desire. Change our hearts like you did Peter's. Oh, Lord, it's urgent that our world hears about you. It's urgent that people repent and come to Christ. It's urgent. And Father, just break our hearts for the lost and remind us that people are lost and they have issues just like we do. We pray these things in the wonderful name of Christ our Lord who came to seek and save the lost. Amen.